Thank you for tuning in at Ravenna Assembly of God. We hope you enjoy this message and are blessed from it. If you want to tune in to more messages, log on to RavennaAG.com and search under the Media tab. Thank you and God bless. The time to remember. Wow. You know, I have constantly and continually told people from funerals to just lately with our legacy offering, the one God-given gift He has given all of us is something called the gift of memory. And memory is supposed to be that which draws us to the very best of what life has to offer. We remember those who have gone on before us. We remember the stories. We remember the laughs, the sounds. We remember the impact, the influence. We remember the stories. We remember the place where they sat. We remember the things that they've built. We remember. And today, especially, we remember. This is Memorial Day weekend, in case anybody missed it. It's an important holiday, not just because people get off work and not because we get to see, you know, family or friends. And and those things are nice, don't get me wrong, but it's important because of what it's all about. As many of you know, Memorial Day began after the Civil War as a day to recognize the fallen soldiers who had died fighting for what they believed in. It was originally called Decoration Day because families would would decorate the graves of the fallen soldiers with with, with flags and flowers and ribbons, much as they do today. And many of you were out there in different places putting flags at cemeteries on tombstones. Well, Memorial Day did not become a national holiday until 1971. That's not that long ago. It's important, though, that we don't forget those who have given their lives in the service to their country. In the American Revolution, as you've already seen, we lost around 25,000 men. In the Civil War, over 655,000 men died, that it's estimated. In World War II, In World War I, 116,516 soldiers. In World War II, 405,199 soldiers lost. The Korean War, they don't call it a war, they would call it a peace mission. No, it was a war. 33,686. Vietnam around 58,209 soldiers. Between Iraq and Afghanistan, 7,000 soldiers. So we have this Memorial Day to remind us of all those lives lost throughout the ages, throughout the years. Each one of those men and women wanted to live their lives just as badly as you do. They, they probably wanted to raise families, live in a nice home, have that, you know, 2.5 kids and a dog, you know? 
They had dreams and, and plans and hopes for their futures. And we need to remember them. We need to honor them. And that's why Memorial Day was created. To help us remember, friend, the high cost of what we know as freedom. The high cost of fighting for freedom. But unfortunately, a lot of folks don't remember. Even though we have this national holiday, they don't remember. A lot of people, it's not about lost lives. Let's be real. It's about getting the day off work. A backyard barbecue. Everybody's checking the weather. Is it going to be nice? Is it going to stop raining? Is it going to get warmer so we can have a... The purpose of the holiday seems to be forgotten. But I guess that shouldn't be surprising, really, because a lot of people forget about Jesus as well. I want you to take a look at, at this passage of Scripture in the Word that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's a passage that talks about what happens when we forget. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments, His judgments, and His statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and, thirst, uh, and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. Gee, I wonder if that's what we're seeing all around us today. When we remember what this country was founded in and on to begin with, to where we are today. Honestly, friend, I think that one of the biggest problems that the modern day church faces is that we forget. We forget that God is God. There's no reverence, there's no honor, there's no fear. We forget that He is sovereign. We forget that He is almighty. We forget that He's in control. We forget that Jesus is Lord and that He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. We forget that God's Word is authoritative and that it's through His Word that God saved us, that He changes us that He sanctifies us, and that He transforms us. I, I, I want to share a quote with you from the late pastor and, and theologian. His name was R.C. Sproul. 
The majority, he says, of Americans claim to be Christian. And only a small percentage claim to be actual atheists. But the truth is, he says, many within the church are functional atheists. In other words, they would never say that they do not believe in God, but they live their lives like there is no God. Truly, they profess Christ with their lips, but their hearts are far from Him. Sort of reminds me of this verse of Scripture that's found in Psalm 14. It very simply says what? Uh-huh. That one didn't get copied to your paper, but you should know it. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But I'm here to declare to you that there's a greater fool than that. The one who says there is a God, but I don't care. I want to talk to you for a minute this morning about an atheist versus a functional atheist, okay? An atheist versus a functional atheist. Say that word with me, functional. Uh-huh. How many... Now think about this for a second. Number one, atheists do not pray. And neither do functional atheists. Even though they say that there's a God, they, they don't pray. Their behavior doesn't line up with their profession. Atheists don't believe in the authority of God's Word, and, and, and neither do functional atheists. They might say they believe in God's Word, but it doesn't rule their lives. Atheists don't believe in laying up treasures in heaven, and neither do functional atheists. They're too busy kind of seeking all their treasures for here on earth. Atheists only live for themselves and live for today. Uh, functional atheists really aren't any different. But here's the difference. Atheists believe that there is no God. Functional atheists say they believe in God, but their lives don't really show that. Basically, the, the functional atheist is, is trying to, I call, hedge their bet. You know what I mean? Just, just in case. Just in case. He's become aware of the possibility that there is a God, and, and he's aware of the possibility that God is real. And so he's trying to you know, play the odds and cover all of his bases. But the problem... The problem is it doesn't work that way. Jesus doesn't give us the option of riding the fence. Hello? He says, those who are not with me are what? Exactly. And he also says, he who is, uh, I'm sorry, no servant can serve what? Two masters. All through the New Testament, he makes this distinction. He separates the sheep and the goats. He separates the wheat and the chaff. And he says, this is my church. This is my body. And this over here is not. So basically, the functional atheist is someone who has forgotten God. Now, what does it mean to forget something or, or someone? I'm not talking about you guys that forget your wife's birthday or your anniversary either. We, what it basically means is, is that, that that thing or, or, or that person are not in your thoughts. They're not in your mind. And that, that happens when other things are in your thoughts and in your mind. Those other things or, or people, they take the forefronts. And you've set your mind, you've set your thoughts 
on the desires of them. And you dismiss and you regard your thoughts and, your des- and, 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 and those things. That's what functional atheists do. You, you got Monday through Saturday and the thoughts of God don't even cross their minds. They're so wrapped up in everything else from A to Z. And, 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 and the thoughts of living for Christ, learning about Christ, loving Christ, worshiping Christ, if, it's, it's there for, for maybe one day a week, if lucky. But the rest of the week, their hearts are for themselves and far from Him. That's why this word called remembering is so huge. Say that word with me. Remembering. Say it one more time. Remembering. Church, here's the thing. This is something we all have to be watchful of. You and me and every other Christian that's out there. I mean, go back to your text for a moment, Deuteronomy, and look at verse 11 again. God says to His people, take care lest you forget the Lord your God. It's that simple. In other words, be careful that this doesn't happen to you. Take precautions that you're not forgetting God. Look, that's, that's what this says. But, but look at the last part of that verse. God says, take care so, so you don't forget. And here's how you do that. By keeping His commandments and His rules and His statutes. How do you forget God? By not keeping His commandments, His rules, and His statutes. He goes on to say, take care you don't forget God because when life is good and things are going well and you're comfortable and content with your place in life, looking good, you're about to see everything go right, you'll be tempted to forget about God. You're not going to be going to Him every morning asking for your daily bread, asking Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What happens is this, and that is that a person becomes content with the poor substitutes that this world offers, and as a, re- as a result, their focus shifts. I'll say that again. They become content with poor substitutes. We're an emotional people. We want to feel happy. We want to feel content. We want to enjoy life. We want to have this. We want to have that. Welcome to America. That line of thinking has been fostered down through the years. And we have put ourselves in a situation that's very dangerous. Because instead of the goal being going out and making disciples, our goal is maintaining comfort and safety. Instead of of, of our goal being to see more disciples made, our goal is maintaining what we've got. Instead of our goal being to strive towards living for Christ, it's been more about ourselves and living for ourselves. You see, here's the thing. All of us, as, as, as fallen human beings born as somebody who is born into fallenism. We are born with atheistic hearts to begin with. We are born with a tendency 
to forget God. But if you go back to our text and look at what Moses has, has, has written there, you'll notice that he reminds them of what he, God, has done for them. This, this is the second way God helps us to not forget. First, he told us to keep his commands. And secondly, we need to remind ourselves of what he's done in our lives. Can somebody say amen to that? You know, how many of you have raised kids? How many of you are in the process of raising kids? How many ladies have a husband here? Yeah, yeah. We'll put them all in the same category. The, the, here's the issue. It does not matter how much you've done for them. When this one time comes up, what do you hear? You've never done anything for me. You've never cared about me. You kids care about all. You've never done anything for me. Do I have a witness? <laughs> Staying quiet. You know exactly what I mean. Everything just disappears. He told us to keep his commands. And secondly, we need to remind ourselves of what he's done in our lives. Because unfortunately, we as believers act like kids sometimes. And it's like God's never done anything. We never remind ourselves. And so we forget God. And You know, one of the best ways you can talk to somebody about God and share the gospel is by sharing what? Your story. I ain't got a story. Yes, you do. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you got a story. Some of you are scared to death to turn to your neighbor. <laughs> Why? Because they don't have a mask on or something? You need to be able to tell them, you, you got a story. I got a story. We all got a story. And by telling people, telling them what God has done in your life, wow. It doesn't have to be some big theological kind of jargon. It's simply saying, this is what God's done for me. They come up with these, these, these incredible questions that you're going, I don't know. You don't have to know. All you have to know is what God has done for you. I don't know the answer to that question. All I can tell you is what God did for me. I know how messed up my life was. I know what direction my life was headed. I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for God in my life. I just wouldn't be. I mean, I, I don't say a whole lot of things about my past. I don't get into my past. I'd rather give God the glory than the devil the glory. Amen? You know, but I know that if, if, it, wasn't, if it wasn't for what God was doing in my life and where He was bringing me, if God hadn't changed me, I guarantee you I would not be around here today. I mean, this is from a kid. That, I don't want to get into it. I mean, from bullets to bombs. God has somehow kept me to where He's brought me to. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Him. You, you know, this is what God, I don't have something big in fact. But some of you, you say, well, I don't have a big testimony. You don't need a big testimony. You can tell them, look, man, 
I was raised in the church. I've always known God. That's what he's done for me. He's kept me. He's grown me. He's given me peace. He's become who I need. Look, 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 look. It's, it's as simple as that's what God has done for me. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. So let me put out the question to you. What has God done for you? Honestly, let's be up front, point blank. Let's be real with ourselves. Let's remember what God has done for us. Is life perfect? Only if you're married to me. Life's not perfect, even if you're married to me. But that's beside the point. That's just it. It's not about, it's not about everything that's not working. It's look what the Lord has done. Has he forgiven you? Has he delivered you? Has he changed you? Has he set you free from sin? What bondage, what wilderness has he brought you out of? We need to remind ourselves of those things. And we need to share those things with others. Hello? You see, I would venture to say that a very small percentage knows what it is to open their mouths to other people when it comes to believers sharing their faith. But look, friend, the Lord is telling us the way we don't forget about God is we keep his command. That's called obedience. And we continually remind ourselves of what he's done in our lives and what he has done in history, even our history. I, I love the way he reminds them of, of, of how he brought them through the wilderness, how he fed them. And the whole point was to test them because they would say, like it says in, in, in verse 17, he, and he gives us that, that, that warning there. He says, beware lest you say in your heart. Lest you say. So it doesn't even have to be words, friends. You can say this, what I'm talking about, in your heart. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and, my, and, and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. That's the sin of pride. That's the sin or the independence of saying, I don't need God. I can do it on my own. Friend, understand something. Sin is not an action. It is a what? It's a condition. You're saying that out of the condition of your heart, out of where you're coming from, of who you are, your anchor of faith. You don't need God. You can do it on your own. I'll say it again. Sin is is not an action, it is a condition. You are born, you weren't born into an action, you were born into a condition. That condition is called sin. Sin is being independent of him. We know that by definition, but understand that is called a condition. I walk independent of him. I live independent of him. I do independent of him. As a result of that, I walk in sin. That's what it is. I can make it on my own. And again, most people would probably not verbalize that. 
but they do say it in their hearts. And our lives display what's in our hearts. Did you know that in the New Testament, when it talks about Jesus, it refers to him 24 times as Savior, but it refers to him over 600 times as Lord. Functional atheism comes from putting yourself on the throne. And I'm here to declare to remind us whatever it takes, we are not Lord, Jesus is Lord. That means he's our master. He's the one who has control over us. He is our ruler. He is our boss. He owns us. He bought us with a price. He created us. And here's what Jesus says to us in Matthew. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Friend, the cross serves one purpose, death. The cross serves one purpose, death. Jesus is saying that we have to die to sin, die to self, take ourselves off the throne and receive, acknowledge that he is Lord. How do you die? Seriously, how do you die? Did you ever think about that? How do you die to self? First of all, understand, lest anybody thinks we're going to have some mass cult here in a second. Break out the purple Kool-Aid, guys. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. But anyways, here's the deal. The only way I can die, the only way I do die, is by something we said earlier. I am crucified with Christ. There's only one way, and that was for someone who was worth all of us would become our representative on behalf of all of us so that whatever happened to him would happen to us. See, that's what covenant is all about. And when Jesus came, he was not born of man, he was born of woman. He came as a human being, but he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So here is this one who is born not into sin, but into union with his Father. He is what we would know as perfect, without separation. So he walked with his father. He heard his father. He did what he saw his father doing. I can go on and on with this. Even as a young man found in the temple when he got lost or separated from his family after about three days, 
Did you not know that I would be about my father's work? It's like that little gem is just dropped in there so that we'd understand that he was born into that relationship. He was born with different than all of us, but yet here's one that works like we were supposed to work. And so he becomes the Son of Man, our representative. He becomes our 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 our, our covenant representative. Take a look through Hebrews sometimes. Take a look through Galatians sometimes. Read your Bible, functional Christian. And find the reality of truth. That because, as the Word says, He is the mediator. He is our... As Hebrews puts it, go ahead and read through chapter 12 and 13. Find out what it says in there. He is the mediator. He is our mediator. What does that mean? Did you ever... Look. If you remember correctly about covenant, and if you don't, I'll give you a little booklet I wrote a long time ago on covenant. But the covenant representative is the person who went on behalf of all those people behind him that were a part of his family, tribe, friends, whatever. He was there being their representative would go to the other person and they would, they, uh, they would go through a process. But if you remember at the end of the process, to cut a long story short, they would cut themselves. And the blood would drip together. They'd be standing in the middle of an animal that had been brought and split in two, and they'd make that sign of infinity, and they end up landing there. And they would join their arms together, and they would literally quote the vow that says, I will be this to you. I will be that. Sort of like a marriage vow. Hello, that's called a covenant. And as a result of that, that blood would mingle and they would become blood brothers. That's where the, 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 the verse of Scripture says he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Friend is a covenant friend. That means very simply that if they broke their word, that covenant was so strong that they would, be, they would forfeit their lives. That's how strong it was. So if you ever had a question about the covenant, who are you going to ask? Who are you going to talk to? You're going to go to the person who has the scar. And by the way, they would infect that scar so that it would rise up. You, you'd know who it was. You have a question about it? You go to the covenant representative. You ever stop to wonder why Jesus, with his back laid wide open, thorns have pushed down on his head so blood covered, his beard plucked out, beaten, swollen when the cross went down jarred in there so that every bone in his body was taken out of joint he's a mess he was unrecognizable they would pound those nails through his feet and through his hands just to make sure that he was dead take the old spear and shove it up into him yep he's gone why in the world, when Jesus rose from the dead, did every other aspect of womb be gone except for the hole in his feet and his hands and the spear in the side? Why? Because he is our covenant 
representative. He became that on the cross. If you have a question about this covenant, this new covenant, this sin forgiven, this all the stuff spelled out for you in Hebrews and back in Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all those other places, if you have a question, who are you going to go to? You're going to go to the covenant representative whose name is Jesus because I've been crucified with Christ. He's my representative. I live, yet not I, but the covenant representative lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the covenant representative. He continues to make himself known. He answers prayer. He provides. He makes a way. He saves. He redeems. He lifts up. He continues to fulfill the reality of the covenant that he has made for us. Let me get back to this. Otherwise, we're going to be here till July 4th. Church, the purpose of Memorial Day is, is, is so that we don't forget what it costs to be free. It's different than the 4th of July. On Independence Day, what do we do? We celebrate freedom. But on Memorial Day, we remember what our freedom costs. And, and don't think that taking one day out of the year is enough in my book, to adequately remember, period. It's not enough. One day of the year is not enough for anything. Amen? If you eat one day out of the year, you'll die. If you work at a job one day out of the year, you'll be homeless and have nothing. If you mow your, your yard one day out of the year, If you bathe one day out of the year, you nasty dude, you. But we know that one day isn't enough, amen? We have to continue to remember, and we have to remind ourselves. We have to diligently maintain what we have. Anybody know? Or who, does, who does not know what June 14th is? It's called Flag Day. I remember growing up, there are flags up and down all over. People probably take out their flags. wonder how many flags you'll see this year on June 14th. We have to diligently maintain what we I'll say it this nation is the greatest nation on earth but she ain't what she used to be listen very carefully so that I can get in trouble with everybody the position that we're in today is because of what we tolerated yesterday And the problem we'll be in tomorrow will be because of what we tolerate today. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. 
For the time has come for judgment to begin. Where? In the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Friend, as the church goes, the country goes. What's really interesting is that if our nation is going to get back to what it once was, it's not going to be because we take up arms. It's not going to be because we're voting for the right kind of people. And it's not about legislation or politics. It's about what our text says. It's about remembering God. It's about remembering Jesus Christ. It's about, it's about following Him, about obeying Him, and living for Him. God tells us in that very last verse of our text, if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, you will surely perish. So this morning, let's ask ourselves, do we, do we live as if there's no God? I mean, seriously. Are we just tipping our hat at Him? Giving Him a little nod? Are we kind of fulfilling an obligation so that we feel better about ourselves? Are we serving the Lord Jesus Christ or are we serving ourselves? It's a gut check. It's a reality check. It's a heart check. And it's a mind check. Who's seated on the throne of our hearts? I'm going to ask the point question. Are, are we more like an functional atheist or are we following our Lord Jesus Christ? Because friend, you're here this morning and I don't know, maybe you've said this before, maybe you're saying it to yourself, Pastor Beck, if I'm honest with you, I'd have to say that there are things in my life that I really haven't surrendered to the Lord and if I'm being honest, I'm kind of scared to do it. There's a battle, there's a, it's, 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 and especially if, if somebody doesn't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, it's, it can be an even strong. It's like, I give up myself. What if he tells me to give up something I really like? What if he calls me to do something that takes me out of my comfort zone? I can tell you, he probably already has, and that's why you're pushing away running away, afraid to say yes. That's your struggle. That's your struggle. Friend, I'm here to declare to you, it's much better to know Him. Much better to walk with Him. Much better to be in fellowship with Him than it is to be comfortable with this world. It's so much better to be in His presence and in His will than to have anything that this world can offer. Because this world is temporary and it's passing away. But eternity is forever. Can I look at that one verse one more time? I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Friend, I believe on a day such as today, when we remember, God is echoing that sound. Don't forget me.
don't forget me. Don't sit there and think, boy, I wish so-and-so was here today so they could hear this. They really need this. They're not here today. You are. And God's speaking to you. This is not some chance. This is not some message for somebody else. This is for us. Here. Now. Would you stand with me? This morning in this place, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, all it takes is a choice. A choice. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how to make it. I don't know how I can live like that. Well, if you take the eye out of there, you'll find the answer. Because you can't. You can't live for God. Good luck. You can live from Him, which changes everything. Because then you're living from Him, not in your own strength. All it takes is a choice to say yes. And when we make that choice, He makes that change. And this morning, that's exactly what He wants to do. And in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come and find a place of prayer. A place that you can say yes. Well, well do I have to do it up here? No. You can do it anywhere. That's, it's, it's, we're not talking restrictions physically in order to receive Christ. But I want to invite you to a place to take a step out where you're surrounded by people who love you and are proud of you. Because I found that if I can't take a stand here, I'm never going to make a stand out there. Believer, God's directed this message square between our eyes as well. That word functional Christian rips at my heart. Functional, just like a functional alcoholic. You can say all the right things, do all the right things, but we forget God. We take, I don't preach the message, I just say we forget. And God is calling us to of remembrance and you know what we need to do we need to build those memory making moments guess where a place called the altar so this morning as this song is being played it's simply entitled come to me I want to open up these altars and invite you come to me you